You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarlane. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name's Steve Bose. It is great to be with you today. I am joined by, of course, Trish McFarland. Trish, how are you? I'm good, Steve. How are you doing today? I'm great. It is a lovely day here in HR Happy Hour HQ South. I uh, can't complain too much. Uh, could be worse, right? We could be uh, docked on a cruise ship, uh, uh, Oh unable goodness. to find a welcoming country to take us in. So I Ooh. guess it could be worse. It could be worse. Yeah, it's it's nice to be home. I have to tell you, though, I think with all of this, just the travel scares with the coronavirus and whatnot, um, I don't know about you, but a lot of the events that I would have been going to very soon have all been canceling and postponing. So what normally would be an extremely busy hectic travel month or two for me has now calmed down quite a bit. How about you? Yeah, same thing. Uh, Events canceling or postponing left and right, Uh, probably going to be home much more than usual uh, for for a while. Um, But yeah, makes sense. And I think for the most part, I think for the most part, organizations are doing the right thing by um, canceling or postponing at this point. I think so too. But you know what, Steve, this, we get a lot of requests for the, the movie shows. I think that this will give us an opportunity in the next few weeks maybe to to watch a movie or two and do some movie shows. So normally that's something that's a little more challenging at this time of year, but I say we yeah. do it. Yeah. Now, I've got time for that for sure. I, I have very little to do outside of this. So, uh, yeah, no problem. We'll make that work. I have a movie idea yeah. that I want to share with you. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like we should do Twister in the movie. 1996's Twister? Yeah, I feel that's like a great that's movie. it. I haven't. I don't know that I've ever seen it. Helen so Hunt, I'm, Bill Pacman. Yeah, yeah. A young, yeah. Um, a very young uh, Jamie Gertz, well known actor. Yeah, she's in that movie. Oh, oh and the I'm, other guy. Sadly, he's passed away, but really good actor in, in an early role for him. Oh, and I'm I'm, I'm blanking on his name now, but uh, oh, okay. played Truman Capote later in his career to to some acclaim. And he was also in one of the Mission Impossible movies. And his, oh. his name is now escaping me. Okay. Um, very good movie, Trish. Highly recommend. Oh. So, well, maybe we'll do that one. All right. That's the deal. I've only seen it 37 times. So, um, you should watch <laughs> it at least once before we do the podcast, though. So you can, you know, keep up. Oh, Bill um, Paxton. Is that who you're talking about? No, yes. you're talking about. You're talking about Philip Seymour. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Sadly, I both gentlemen that. passed away uh, uh, timely, both of them. But uh, yeah, Philip oh. Seymour Hoffman has got a, a small role in the movie as well. So. Oh, really? Okay. Now, see, now I'm intrigued. Now I'm going to watch it because I actually do love him. Um, I love him in The Master, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Hunger Games. He's Hunger Games guy. So, okay. Right, right. He did a lot. Yeah, do it. Uh, yeah. Do it. Yeah. Good movie. Uh, a lot of action. And they made like a ride out of it too in one of the theme parks. There's a twister ride, or at least there used to be, in yeah. one of the Florida theme parks. 
and I can't remember which one, but um, yeah, so we'll, we'll catch that. We'll, we'll do that. Uh, quick update, Trish, oh, man, great stuff on the happy hour show. We of course did a show where we talked about coronavirus for a little while, about a week or so ago, we recorded that one. We had a great show on fertility benefits at work, right? With Tammy Sun from Carrot Fertility that just ran recently. And uh, our live show we did out at that ultimate event, which was really, really cool and fun to do and kind of mm-hmm. a cool experience for us too. Maybe for folks who haven't listened to that one, Trish, maybe just tease people on that one and maybe they can go back in the archive and check that one out. Yeah. So the one that we did with ultimate was actually really fun. We had a group of 50 senior HR leaders, CHROs, VPs of HR um, from companies all over the world. And we did a show with Bill Hicks, um, who leads, uh, you know, the customer service organization there at Ultimate Software. And it was just a really lively, live audience discussion. We talked about tech trends. We talked about a little bit about not just coronavirus, but, you know, uh, anticipating and planning for any kind of sort of emergencies in the workplace, disaster preparedness in the workplace from a technology standpoint. So it was a really interesting show. And um, it was, it's always fun to do the show live in front of an audience too. So that was, yeah, it was cool. Really neat. And uh, so check that one out as well. And of course on the network, Madeline Lerano coming out of the box strong with her new Mm -hmm. podcast, radical research. The first one aired a couple about a week or 10 days ago by the time you listen to this. Her newest one, Trish, I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm told uh, it's just out as we record this. And uh, she actually has an interview with a uh, professor from Boston University all about the coronavirus as well. So I can't wait to listen to it. And I hope everybody does check that one out too. Madeline's doing awesome with uh, radical research. So check that out as well. we are booking shows. We have a couple of slots open, probably maybe a couple more. If, if some more of our events cancel, uh, you can hit us up at our Twitter account at HR happy hour or contact us through the new and improved HR happy website. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to the HR happy hour show on your Alexa device. Add the show to your echo devices flash briefing. This is our two or three minute little short version of the show. I did one yesterday, Trish. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. It was sort of coronavirus related, having to do with uh, organizations who haven't traditionally offered paid time off to many of their hourly workers under some more pressure now to uh, to do that, to do just that. And, and a really big company, the company that owns Olive Gardens and a bunch of other um, restaurant chains oh, is, right. uh, has launched paid time off for their hourly workers who didn't previously have access to that. So I thought that was pretty cool. So you can check that out on your Alexa device. Just add the HR happy hour skill. Finally, the HR happy hour show is sponsored by Paychex. Paychex makes it simple for businesses of all sizes to pay and manage your employees. They make payroll easy and automatic, and they handle benefits programs. Paychex guides businesses through their human resources challenges by keeping them up to date with ever-changing laws and regulations, online and mobile, over the phone, in person, or any combination of the above. With Paychex, they work with you the way you want to work. Learn more at Paychex.com. All right, Trish, let's get on with the show. Yes. We have we, we have uh, two guests with us today, two fellow HR podcasters, which is pretty cool. Um, we have cool. Wendy Daly. She is a talent acquisition professional in South Dakota, perhaps our first South Dakota guest as well. With almost 20 years of experience in HR, she has worked in a variety of industries, including healthcare, construction, airlines, and banking. 
She is the co-host of the HR Social Hour. In her spare time, she enjoys spending time with her family, traveling, and leading her daughter's Girl Scout troops. In addition to Wendy, we have John Thurman with us. He is the Mid-Atlantic Regional Human Resources Manager for Team Fisher, a utility engineering and construction company. He oversees the company's national social media recruiting program and produces the company's HR Pro podcast. John is also the co-host and producer of the HR Social Hour. He is recognized nationally as a speaker on topics including social media recruiting, workforce development, and podcasting. Welcome, Wendy and John, to the HR Happy Hour Show. How are you guys today? Doing well. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Doing great. All right. Very good to have you. Good to have some podcasters yeah. on the show. Trish, we're not the only ones. Thank God. <laughs> uh, oh, thank goodness. We love, love, love HR podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Wendy and or John, you can, I'll throw it out to both of you, and you guys can, can chime in. Tell us a little bit. Uh, maybe there's stuff uh, in the bio we didn't get to, but or just hit us up and tell us about the, the HR, HR Social Hour for folks who are listening to this show maybe have not yet uh, hooked up with you guys on your show. Well, sure. well go ahead, we John. Fortunate enough to, yeah, I was going to say, we were fortunate enough to, to actually do a crossover here, which is always exciting. We love doing that. Mm-hmm. We started two and a half years ago as a Twitter chat, as the HR Social Hour, and it was for those of us that had uh, FOMO for not attending SHRM 17 in New Orleans, that blossomed into the monthly chat that we started, which then ultimately led to the HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast, which we launched in February of 2018. Uh, We're now 105, 106 numbered episodes, 150 plus episodes total in and uh, it's been an absolute joy and ride to to go uh, to go that way. But, you know, we, we're really excited from the standpoint that there's so many great HR podcasts out there. And what you all have been doing is we said on your on our show, you all are the OGs of this. We take a different tack in that really our show is really focused on the individuals in our industry. So it's it's analysts, it's vendors, it's the people doing what we do. And we really liken it to a cup of coffee. Right. Our interviews are really about how are you connecting with with the uh, with the community at large? How do you give back and ultimately about building your network and how critical it's been for for me and for Wendy? Uh, You know, I've been around podcasting for 10 years. I started I've been doing a fun podcast about 80s properties with friends of mine for seven years now. And when the opportunity came up to to join up with Wendy and start Social Hour, it was just we knew it was going to we knew it was something we wanted to do. And we've been absolutely blown away. Not only the response, but the people we've met and the opportunity to talk to folks like you has just been an absolute joy. Yeah, I got to believe it's one of the highlights of the podcasting career, getting to chat with my with myself. Um, I, I, <laughs> it I is. And you helped me open because I had fanboy moment and totally lost. Yeah. Get a lot of that. Minutes, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how that's did the that's been the goal. So <laughs> um, we actually met on a Twitter chat, um, which is it's a little bit funny because John is in Richmond, Virginia, and I did live in Richmond, Virginia for uh, three, four years back in uh, the early 2000s. Um, didn't know each other then, but um, we uh, we met via Next Chat, um, the the Sher- former Sherm um, oh. weekly chat. Um, and uh, when we were at Sherm last year, John did some very excellent. Um, searching and found the very first tweet that we <laughs> connected with each other that we responded to each other on. So, um, yeah, so I think it's, you know, it's just kind of a testament to the power of social media that, you know, you can, 
um, meet and interact with pe real people. Um, you know, we used to joke that they were your um, invisible friends, but um, making, you know, really lifelong friends through, uh, through this, uh, this medium. But, you know, John, I think the goal, since we've talked with Trish and Steve now, so we can probably fold it up and go home. Um, no, <laughs> I think we're done with HR crossovers. Yeah. I think yeah, we've done with, this is our seventh. I think you all are the seventh crossover yeah. podcast we've done, but again, really? as the oh, wow. originators of this, of this format or in, in, in the longstanding tradition, yeah. yeah, maybe we ought to be done. I love the way you met because that's the way Steve and I met too. And I think that it's just also interesting that you can take really what you would consider casual conversations, just start with a tweet online and wind up finding really interesting ways to work together. And whether that's work for fun, um, you know, more as a hobby or whether it's work that becomes paid work or whatever, it's just an interesting way to connect that people didn't have 10 years ago. Yeah. Absolutely. It's all about and I, I think what, yeah. And what's been really fun for me is that again, you know, I've been so passionate about podcasting as a medium for a long time. When we launched social hour, you know, again, it was one of these things where we're just going to do it for fun. We thought we'd have 50 listeners. We've been really, really fortunate to have more than that, but it's been able to, I've been able to parlay that into doing that as part of my job for my day job. And that my, you know, my boss was listening to the show and said, Hey, why don't we look at ways? How do we integrate podcasting into what we're doing as an organization? So that's been a lot of fun too, is to to be able to take this thing that I really enjoy and passionate about and put it into my day job, which is great. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think too, it really is a good way, especially if you're um, not just an HR practitioner, but in whatever job you're doing, if you can bring some of those elements of what you might start as a hobby into your day job, it just makes it that much more interesting. And it really right. shows you being innovative in a way, like in your example, that the company hadn't necessarily already thought of, you know, right. so you're truly being an innovator in your own workplace, which is always a little bit daunting if you had to sit down and think like, okay, how can I innovate in my workplace? Maybe a lot harder to address. So sure. yeah, that, that's really good. Wendy and John, you mentioned the podcast and we can talk about that some more as well, but you guys also have real jobs, real HR slash talent <laughs> jobs. And uh, we're also interested in learning about that too. Maybe we'll start with you, Wendy. You're in talent acquisition and been doing it for a while uh, in South Dakota, which uh, certainly an unlikely place to launch uh, you know, an HR takeover of the world. But uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing and maybe how it's been uh, how it's been in, in finding talent and engaging with talent. Is it I you know, I like to say all the time, oh, it's so tough to find people unemployment so low, blah, 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 blah. blah. Is that really your experience, too? Is that what's happening? Is it? Uh, and what are some of the challenges you run into in, in your day job, quote unquote? Sure. You know, I think that's with as long as I've been doing this, that's kind of been the theme all the time. It's hard to find good talent. It's hard to find people. Um, when I was in Virginia, oh, you know, we can't compete with D.C. We can't compete. You're, you're you spend a lot of time worried about who you're competing with and where why you can't compete with them. Um, but I, I have it is a little bit harder when you get into locations like South Dakota, um, I was in Montana for a few years um, because you just don't have the the same number of people. Um, I'm in healthcare right now. So um, as we've been talking about ad nauseum in healthcare for how many years that there's a nursing shortage, um, it's not getting better. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's 
the more people start to retire, it is just going to get harder and harder, but we can't produce the same number of nurses um, as are going to be needed. It just is the numbers aren't adding up. So trying to get creative, trying to find new ways. Um, I'm very fortunate to work for an organization that right now that is dedicating people to think about those problems. Um, So if you guys have ever done talent acquisition, uh, to me, the biggest problem is you're just constantly recruiting people. You're constantly right. looking, you're doing phone screens and screening applications and doing interviews. You can't, and you know, it's not working, but you <laughs> don't have time to step back and say, okay, what could we do differently? How can we do it differently? Um, so uh, Sanford, where I'm now, we have a group of us that that's our job is to what can we do differently? What can we look at? How can we get to what the the source of the problem is? Um, you know, we've all been in those situations where it's like, we just need new pe- more people, more people, more people without looking at, well, why are we losing so many people? Is this really a All right. A so talent- changing the, changing the question then maybe, right. Or, yeah. or trying to yeah, root cause analysis kind of deal. Yeah. Right? Let's, let's sit back and look at, you know, why, why are we losing people? Why do we still need people? Is it, is it because there's not enough people coming into the organization or people leaving faster? Um, Cause we can, you know, we can always find people, um, even when they're, when unemployment is super low, like it is, but if we're not keeping them, um, and so then how do we help the rest, how do we help the organization do that side of it? Um, and I, am in a super large organization right now. So it, it becomes even harder because you have to hand some of those problems off to other people to take care of. So, you know, helping to helping that downline, that downstream stuff to, to keep things moving forward. And, you know, how are we encouraging people to go to school? How are we helping people move up through the organization? Um, and then, uh, we're starting to spend some time on, um, diversity and inclusion too. Mm-hmm. Um, which when you're in the Midwest, um, yeah, we got to figure that. <laughs> that's a, that's a tough one. It's hard, but, uh, I feel like we're, uh, we're at least asking the right questions now. And that's sometimes half the battle. It's interesting. I love the examples you're giving because I, I can think back. I worked in healthcare too, and I was an HR business partner. And so I wasn't doing the recruiting, but you know, I wonder, as you were talking, it kind of struck me. It's it's like it, the problem really isn't necessarily a shortage of people. The problem is maybe that um, if HR, traditional HR and talent acquisition are not one or not aligned, which in many organizations, especially large ones that I've been in, it's two different things, uh-huh. two different groups with maybe competing priorities. It's like you're saying, you know, you have these great ideas, you have a role now to that kind of carves that out to think about how do we do this differently, but then you have to rely on somebody else or a different department or different group to kind of make sure people aren't leaving. Right. I wonder, do you think that, that that's really maybe the evolution that's, that's either needing to happen or going to happen where you have to see HR people um, and, and talent acquisition leaders coming together more? Or do you feel like that's still really separate? Because I haven't been in it for, for a bit, for probably six or seven years now. So is yeah. that still divided like it was when I was in or no? Yeah, there, there's still pretty uh, a, a divide. Um, in my organization, we are we do work a lot closer together, even though we report up through different streams right now. Um, it, you know, we're... We're now at fifty thousand employees. Our, you know, our HR department is ginormous compared to some others, which is great. But we still need to make sure that we're partnering with the right people. And uh, we have some HR 
um, you know, business partners, essentially, that we try to part work with specifically on different areas. Um, when I was doing um, actual recruiting, when I was in the day-to-day -day trenches, I worked very closely with one of our um, HR advisors on some of our some of the departments when they were having issues because I could see those issues first. You know, when one department puts, you know, one small department has all of a sudden five openings. That's on me to go to the, the HR advisor and say, hey, we're going to need to look at this because we've lost five people in um, just a few months. We need to figure out what that issue is. That's not me not finding people. Those people have left. So how can I how can I partner with you? How can we make sure we are, you know, did we find just did we find the wrong person? Because that happens. Um, you know, what can we do to better screen people, get the right people in, but then how can I help you keep them on the other side? Because I, I always like to say I'm the lazy recruiter. I don't want to fill this job again in three four months, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. Let's get the right person the first time. Lazy. I no, I think that's a smart business move, right? To not yeah. be doing the same thing because to your earlier point, you, you don't have time to be more creative and think uh, and be more innovative when it comes to the way that you find people mm -hmm. if you're constantly filling the same jobs. Yeah. So, John, I mean, what about you? I mean, I know you, you've done talent acquisition as part of your, your job as well. And um, being in a different part of the country, do you feel like it's yeah. really, um, you know, unique to certain parts of, of the world, of the country? Or is this something that you're facing, too, um, in terms of relating to... The HR side of the house as well. Yeah, I have to say it's been really enlightening for me doing the podcast for the last two years and talking to people and realizing that a lot of the issues we have are universal. Wendy's in healthcare. I'm in construction. I'm literally looking for ditch diggers a lot of the time. And that is not a glamorous business. It is not an easy business because we are working in the environment outside, hot, cold. As long as the ground's not frozen, realistically, we're working. So it presents some real challenges identifying folks. And you used to say, oh, it's all generational young people. No, it's not just young people. A lot of people don't see the value in trades. So that's one of the interesting things I've gotten to do over the last many years is really work on how do we share with people and show people that while your career may start digging a ditch, that's not the long run. If you you know invest some time and are coming to work and doing a great job and, and are able to kind of follow the path, there are a lot of opportunities in construction that can be, you know, a, a career. And, and it's funny, some, many of the people that have listened to our show know the story. My son graduated from high school last June and he told me, I don't want to go to college, dad. And I said, fine, you got to get a job, right? Like you're not going to sit at home, play video games. You can be a YouTube influencer if you can figure that out, but you, well, he's come to work for my company and he is an equipment operator. He literally is running directional drills, which are drills that bore through the ground and underground and up and out. We're pulling pipe and pulling cable. I could get in all that. It's probably not, not this audience is probably really interested, but it's been really interesting to watch his progression in the last many months because you know, he he was somebody that did really well in high school, but was not interested in college, not interested in what that was. And he said, Dad, I know I want to do something with my hands. I want to be outside. I want to be working. Great kid. You got an opportunity here, you know, and sit down, listen, pay attention, do what they tell you to do. And you're going to be in really good shape because he sees the long term potential in, in in the job and in the company that most people just don't see. Because, again, it's not something I don't know about you, but I look at my friends from when I was a kid and many of them, their parents, particularly their fathers, were blue collar. Right. They 
I, I grew up near a Ford plant. So a lot of the kids I grew up with, their dads built trucks. But how many of the people we run around with are in blue collar jobs now? Or how many of the, you know, if your kids are in school, how many of their friends have parents that are blue collar? It's, it's different. It's just a very different environment. So it, it presents challenges and it's finding those people that are willing to, that want to do that kind of work. Cause again, it is not glamorous at all. Let's face it. Ditch digging, not sexy, not sexy, <laughs> but yeah. it, it, it's been a lot of fun and, and challenging to find those folks that are looking for that long term. Yeah, John, thank you for sharing that story. I couldn't help but think uh, when you were you were sharing the story about your son about how uh, it's two years ago out at HR Tech, we had Mike Rowe, the famous uh, TV guy, mm-hmm. Dirty Jobs. Um, oh, yeah, guy absolutely. did our keynote, our opening keynote, and largely his message right to to that audience and to many audiences he speaks to is the value of skilled trades and the opportunities there and the great career opportunities that that are often overlooked and one of the messages he 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 shared with us and I thought was a really important one too is it, it's often the parents like you being close to that industry it sounds like John didn't need to be convinced personally right that there could be really good opportunity for your son right in your right. firm there but like the, you said, the people we know, right? You might, your, your friends uh, that you work with or you, the people listen to the podcast or just associates we meet at events, et cetera, they might, they might have been convinced that the, hey, the only way were the optimal way, say, to a, a career path uh, for success in the future is, you know, take out a big student loan, go to the four-year college, get the right degree, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, and, and Micro's message was certainly that's not the only way. And it sounds like that's one of the things that uh, a firm like yourself uh, might be trying to communicate that message as well. Is that part of your outreach as you're, as you're looking for candidates? Uh, and, it, and looking it absolutely, your, your, it absolutely. Your staff? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, we look at several different, uh, you know, pools as it were, one part being the veteran population, those coming out of the service, oh, right, sure. have the skills that we're looking for. They have the mentality, the attitude they've worked. They've worked in much more difficult elements than we could ever provide. Right. And so when we're looking for operators, for CDL drivers, uh, there are a lot there's a lot of crossover there. So that's a pool. Again, the the the, the folks coming around out of high school that have no real direction. I've been around the public utility business for 20 years now. And I can remember one of our competitors at one of my previous companies, they were going to the middle schools in West Virginia and recruiting. And their position was, hey, you don't want to go to college? That's cool. If you can do this, 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 and this, here's a job where you could become an electric line worker, literally, you know, fixing line, you know, lines, usually overhead lines. But think about those people in those bucket trucks repairing lines when the power's out. You could do that. You could start when you're 18, 19 in the company. You're into a, an apprentice program by the time you're in your early 20s. And by the time you're 25 or 26, you're making substantial amount of money before right. you ever hit overtime. And, and not, and <laughs> and not carrying a, around uh, and not carrying around six figures of student loan debt. Right. That's we're exactly we're right. doing a lot no, of that in healthcare, too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah go ahead, I Wendy. I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, there, there's a there's a huge push for that in healthcare as to you know how do you there was a, you know a large push for a long time for getting RNs and so now we're seeing we don't necessarily need RNs how can we change up who we're getting who we're looking at um, and how do we get them into those programs um, and you know shout out to South Dakota because uh, South Dakota has partnered um, with uh, Mr. Sanford actually <laughs> he's um, very rich man who lives in South Dakota and is giving away all his money at this point. Um, but he started a scholarship program with the trade schools 
Um, and you can get your, if you find an industry partner, you get your trade school paid for 100%, no debt, no, you don't own anything. You just need to work in South Dakota for three years. Um, so we push that, that program quite a bit. And I think, you know, like John was saying, with going into the middle schools, we're seeing a lot of that as well, trying to talk to kids early about how you don't have to go get a bachelor's degree, even, uh, you know, because for a long time, you almost had to go get a master's degree to stand apart. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the bachelor's degree was the new um, the new high school diploma. But I, I we're seeing trends away from that. And I think that's a good thing. I'm actually glad to hear that in, in very different industries then, because when I was in public accounting, we were kind of doing the same thing, not at the middle school level, which I'm just like, that blows my mind, but it makes perfect sense. Um, but with high schools, we were having uh, struggles with um, having, you know, minority candidates um, that had gone through accounting programs, for example. And so what I always thought was interesting was um, we would partner, I was with PricewaterhouseCoopers, we would partner with all of our competitors, Deloitte and Ernst & Young, and we would literally go out and co-present to high schools um, just to try and get people interested in that as a profession to, you know, to go into. And then our, our opinion was then we'll, we'll compete for you like crazy, right? When you're actually <laughs> in, in that major, but that's interesting. So I'm, I'm actually glad to hear you're thinking even, you know, before that, one of the things I live in the Midwest as well, I live just outside of St. Louis and Illinois. And um, I was talking with some of the counselors at the local high school and they said, you know, it's a big farming area. Um, so there is FFA and things like that. So students do have some insight into what that's like. It's almost the reverse, though. They don't necessarily have parents who uh, work in trades or work in a professional type, you know, career where you've gone to college. And so it's, it's a little bit the flip side, too. Like they don't even know what's out there. They right. don't even know. And then when you add layer in the fact that we're using kind of old standards of certain degrees, certain amount of or type of school to prepare you for a job, a lot of those jobs are disappearing. And so as adults, we know, regardless of industry, jobs are just changing, period. So how do you how are the two of you and maybe maybe, John, you answer first and then Wendy, but how are you preparing your companies and your colleagues to think differently about not just recruiting talent, but how the jobs need to, to look or be worded because we don't even necessarily know what those jobs are yet. That's a great question, Trish. And it's, it's interesting working. So again, I'm in a construction company that is utility focused. So we work in natural gas, electric and telecom construction, right? So it's a lot of advanced stuff. We're doing 5G work, which is super cool. We're family owned. And a lot of the people that are in uh, upper leadership grew up in the company. So you're seeing that, you know, many of those folks didn't necessarily go to school. They literally started here. I, I've had, I've worked with area managers, which are local leaders, you know, the top levels where they literally started right out of high school. And now we're running $5 million businesses because they were digging ditches at 18. And then they were, you know, here in their, you know, 40 years on. So it's been really interesting to see the shift there because one of the things I've developed in the last five years is an internship program particularly on our engineering side, but some in the construction management ranks to bring in some new talent, different different skilled talent to start filling that pipeline because the pipeline has been so often just filled with the people coming up. But that that changed, right? In other words, the the 
don't necessarily stay, people move around. So how do we introduce people in that have more technical skill too? Because 25 years ago, we didn't have the same oversights that we have now, you know, between OSHA and all the different, the DOT and all the things that we have oversight of, not to mention everything we do now when it comes to documenting, particularly uh, be it uh, if, if you're driving that day, right? So you get to fill out a job, a job hazard analysis. That's all done on a tablet. Ten years ago, it was all it was all pad, right? You know, all on a notepad. So that's been a real change: is getting people that have basic aptitude, technical aptitude, to be able to enter things on a tablet. So it's been a it's been interesting to try to figure out how do we infuse talent that has that comes from an educational experience that we can teach the the grunt work, the physical work, and, and groom them for that long term leadership because at the higher levels some of the skills that are needed weren't needed 25 years ago. It's, it's, it's been a real fun balancing act in the last, I've been here five years and it continues to amaze me. Some of those things that I see when it comes to that, I always say I got one cause I wear boots to work. It's weird. The only time I wear dress pants is when I speak, right? Cause I'm in a, I'm in a construction office. I'm wearing jeans. I run around. I got a hard hat. So when I go out and go to Sherm or whatever, it I is, like I that. Pants, little, it's kind of weird. You know, cause I always say, Hard like, hat HR. Good. I like yeah, that. <laughs> I'm one of the few people I feel like that's doing this, that that I have this weird boot in one place and one in the other. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun to try to meld those and, and get people to understand how do we continue to progress and get better at some of those things that were foreign or, un, you know, really uncommon for us you know, years ago. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And John, I'm sorry. I, I'm already picturing your new logo. You've got, the hard, <laughs> you've got the hard hat on, but you've got a boot. And, and like work pants on one leg and then you've got like dress slacks on the other. It's, oh, see. The, the, logo, the logo I need is me in a Carmen Miranda hat because I like the term bananas and I, yeah. I like to use it on this show and on my other podcast. So, you know, that's okay. something we're working on because we are working on merch for our show at some point. But you never know. Oh, there you go. I love it. I love it. Well, Wendy, what about you? I mean, I think kind of the same question, right? Like, how are yeah. you? How are you seeing that change in jobs um, and not just your approach, but in overall jobs and the way they're thought about? You know, it, it's interesting because, you know, as uh, as John's talking, I'm just like, yeah, that's in healthcare too, with, you know, how, how things are advancing as, as the technology advances, um, you know, how do we um, keep up with that? Uh, registered nursing is so much different than, you know, just 15 years ago, because there is, there's more documenting, there's more paperwork. Um, we actually hear from, uh, I hear from like medical assistants and um, the licensed practical nurses that they want to stay at that level because they get more patient contact than if they go up to the RN level. Mm -hmm. um, so you, we're seeing a lot of, of shifting in that and how, how do we provide that patient care? Um, you know, there's a lot of rural communities here. So there's a lot of telemedicine. Um, so our healthcare providers, not only do they need to be able to help care for patients, but they need to be able to maybe do some tech, technical shooting, troubleshooting as well with, um, you know, here, you know, we're on a video conference, so you can video conference now with doctors and nurses and get diagnosed. Um, there's all sorts of um, treatments. So it's, you know, it's how can we do, how can we treat our patients? How can we serve our customers in this ever-changing world? And how can we adjust to keep up with that need? Um, so, how, you know, who are we, how, how are we doing um, just teams in the, the clinic environment? changing up how we're doing things. It's no longer a doctor and a nurse that are going to care for you. It might be, you know, you might be uh, 
sent brought to your room by one person and then someone else comes in with the provider um, and then you might leave with somebody else um, just as we're trying to do that team and use people to their full scope of practice um, and not asking people to work below because um, again you know you don't really do you really want to pay a nurse um, an RN wages for someone to just escort someone to their room and write down their uh, height and weight. So, you know, trying to make sure you're maximizing um, the person's visit. And the more you rotate people around, it's actually less wait time for the patient because, you know, we don't, you know, you don't like sitting in that little room in <laughs> in the very attractive, you know, gown that, uh, that you might have to. So how do we, how do we maximize our patient's time while they're, while they're here, but still providing top patient care? And that goes, goes to everything. You know, the other thing we talk about, too, um, when I do like junior achievement, talking with students about, you know, a healthcare organization, we don't just hire direct patient providers. There's all sorts of people that work behind the scenes. So you could come work for Sanford and have an accounting degree. Um, you know, we do a lot of research. So you like animals, you want to be a vet. We hire veterinarians to take care of the animals that we are you know, doing research with. So, you know, helping people to think outside the box of what, kind of what they arts, want. To do. What kind of dark arts are you working on out there, Wendy? <laughs> the animals. We're trying yeah. to cure corona here, okay? Here right, in South enough. Dakota. Oh, trying to cure corona. Um well, you know, well actually like uh, the the school I used to work for actually found the um, vaccine for swine flu. So things oh, are wow. things are coming out of South Dakota. Now you um, tell me. Now you tell me. <laughs> I, I had this wine. They're actually awful. putting cows in a twister, just like in the 90s. Yeah, well, oh, there we go. <laughs> we we got to make the ice cream some way. So, you know, we, we make great ice cream here. People don't really know about it, but um, supposedly, supposedly South Dakota is also the home to cookies and cream ice cream. So, swine oh my food, cookies and cream ice cream. There you go. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> Well, thank you for both sharing that perspective. One of the things, um, as John was talking, and then even Wendy, as, as you were talking, I, I wrote down, you know, do you think the real issue is it's not even sort of preparing these students? It's it's really maybe more preparing the hiring leaders, the hiring managers. Do you find that maybe that's where we need to focus? Because are we ready, right? So you're talking about putting technology into the hands of people who didn't grow up that way. And, and Wendy, I'm going to ask you both, but Wendy, for you too, specifically, I'm, I'm that person, like you're talking about the the value in having sort of multiple, multiple people touch a patient, right. Mm -hmm. In terms of their care. Um, oh my gosh, I'm kind of old school. I would not probably like that. I would like, yeah. I like a doctor. I like, it's like, if I go to the restaurant, I, I don't want one person to take my order and somebody else to bring my food. I want my person <laughs> You know, it's, yeah, it's funny, but, but okay. So if you're thinking of me kind of being a little bit set in my ways, how do you help me if I'm your hiring leader or I'm the person who has to be speaking with these, these potential hires, how do you train me to, or even a consumer, how do you train right. me to be ready for a more team approach or a more technologically advanced approach when I really value the one-on-one -on -one relationships? So maybe yeah. one first than John. Yeah, we, we do see that a lot. And I think there's a lot of um, a lot of communication needs to be involved with it. Um, kind of like we were talking on, on the other show, what's in it for me when it comes to technology? We need to be able to show 
our hiring managers show our consumers how this benefits them. Um, that, you know, yes, you still get to see your provider. You still will see, you can still talk to your provider's nurse who is going to know who you are. Um, but we want that nurse to be able to spend time on the important things with you. And that nurse is going to be better prepared for you if he or she doesn't have to spend time escorting you to the room. So, you know, they're all going to document, they're going to communicate with each other with what's going on. So if you tell something to that person who's doing your vital signs, they're going to make sure it gets communicated to the right people. Um, it's going to go into the electronic medical records so that every point of the point along the way, we know what's going on so that your doctor is going to know what you said to that first person when you walked in, in the door um, so that we can keep track of that and we can better provide, provide better patient care to you because that's the ultimate goal is making sure that we have better patient care. If we can talk about decreasing patient wait times, um, that's, that's been the biggest complaint forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, we have rooms that you wait in. They are called waiting rooms. Um, so if we can streamline some of that, if we can get you into your room faster, if we can get you seeing your doctor, seeing your nurse a little bit faster. Um, so that nurse can be documenting their previous patient while this other person is bringing you to the room. So as soon as that nurse is done, she can come right in the room, take care of you. The provider can do the same thing. So it's again, it's all about that communication. I've done a lot of uh, work with, you know, regulatory compliance where you have to, um, you know, make changes so that you're providing that better patient um, service, following your policies and procedures, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, you hear a lot of people, oh, well, the, the compliance people are coming in. So this is why we have to document those things. No, we need to reframe that and say we're doing we're documenting these things because it's the right thing to do. It's communicating what's going on with this patient because there's nothing, I, I, you know, for me, there's nothing more frustrating than, okay, I told you my problem. Now here comes somebody else and I have to start all over and tell the whole story all over again. Someone else comes in the room. Well, we have to start all over. <laughs> okay, So I, I was going to ask you, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's what I was going to ask you. I think, again, that's maybe the retraining of, of people using the technology mm -hmm. because like I just, I just had hand surgery recently and it, I can't even tell, here I am, I'm in pain. Yeah. I had to tell my story to four different people before yeah. I saw a doctor and I'm like, you just took that, can't someone look at what <laughs> person before you just wrote? So yeah. but that's, that's a good point though, right? It's, it's retraining the, mm -hmm. the next in line to just look at the, look at the technology. Yeah. Look at the yeah. technology. John, what about you? Are you seeing that as well in terms of are your your existing people that have been doing this 30, 40 years, are they right. relying on the technology more or are they still kind of doing it the way they were brought up? I think it's interesting. Working for a company that has team in the name, there is a, an interesting dynamic that already comes into play, particularly when you're talking about construction crews and being out in the yard. And so you know, I go back to my son running a drill. He's got somebody locating for him. Uh, you got a, a crew leader or a foreman that's kind of overseeing the project. You know, there's multiple people already kind of on that team making sure that whatever the deliverable that day is getting done. I think one of the things that's been really interesting for me, and you know, I, I don't know where you all stand on generational speakers. Wendy and I have our opinions, uh, <laughs> but I think you know, people people in general, our drivers have changed, or we're much more vocal about what we're interested in. And I think that's one of the been, been the, one of the more interesting things I've seen here is getting those folks to understand that have been here for 40 years 
I can appreciate how you do it and what you want to do. It's just not the same for somebody now. You know, my kids watch me get laid off from a Fortune 200 company, you know, and many kids see their parents get laid off. I never, my parents were both career teachers, so they always had jobs, right? That was a foreign concept to me. But, you know, as somebody that's been downsized myself, you know, my kids have a perspective and they understand that company loyalty. I mean, they know I work for a great company now. I worked for a great company then. It's just, it's economics, right? At the end of the day, 250 of my best friends and I weren't needed anymore. That's, that's the reality. It's funny though, because I, you know, I hear a lot of people, well, I work, I'll work eight hours without a break. Well, that's great. That's good for you. You're not getting a gold star at the end of the day. You're not going to get anything for that. Um, if I work four hours and take a lunch and then four hours and I work 10 hours after hour, because I'm a salaried professional, I got to do whatever I got to do, to get the work done. Uh, so that that dynamic's always kind of interesting, particularly though, with the you know the you know the young people don't want to work. I don't think that's accurate. I think there are young people that don't want to work outside just as much as my older boy is working for us and doing a great job. My 16 year old wants to be a computer engineer. He doesn't want to work outside. He doesn't like mowing the yard. You know, he wants he's the one that wants to play video games. So how do we how do we make sure? How do I find get him in a place where maybe education is the route for him? Maybe it's taking online classes to become a programmer. I don't know. We're still figuring that out. But it's I think it is that challenge of getting people to understand that and, and you we've all been at it for a long time. We understand that that not everybody works for the same reason we do. And how do we make sure that leadership understands that you've got to figure out how to work with the with the cards you have, with the people that you have? How do we make it work as effectively as we can? And I think that's technology or anything else being part of the equation. That's what it ultimately boils down to. Wendy and John, this has been super interesting and enlightening for me to get to know you guys uh, more, as well as to know uh, know more about what you do for real, right? We know you online, we know you as podcast hosts, but to dig, I'm glad you allowed us to dig a little deeper into your day to day because I find it fascinating, and I also found super fascinating some of the parallels between two really wildly different industries that you guys are working in but have a lot some similar challenges and some cross-pollination of, of opportunities as well and ideas and before i sort of uh wanted to have you guys kind of wrap it up and also pitch the show your show and uh remind folks where they can find you and the show is wendy you talked about the waiting room that's the big problem everybody hates <laughs> that so maybe it's a branding problem so <laughs> Here's some ideas you might want to think about recommending. You could call it the anticipation room, the bide one, bide one time room, the hang on to your hat room, the keep your shirt on room, the lie in wait room, and maybe my favorite, the look forward to room. So, ah, uh, there we go. And I thank my friends at thesaurus.com for all those great ideas. So. <laughs> You know, sometimes it's just a branding issue, you know? It could be. It could be. So uh, lie low <laughs> is another one. The lie low room. Just lie low. And maybe it's music. Maybe you pump in some spa music, some lighting. Look, there's opportunity there. That's all I'm yeah. saying. So there we go. All right. So let's wrap with this. Uh, uh, John, Wendy, one at a time or together. You, you might have a choreographed answer to this. Can you tell our <laughs> listeners... Um, how to find you guys, how to connect with you, and then, of course, how to connect to the HR Social Hour podcast. Wendy, I'll let you go first. All right. Well, we can do our typical sign-off. Um, you can find me um, on on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily, D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. Um, and we do have a twice-monthly Twitter chat. Um, HR Social Hour is the hashtag. Uh, 
excuse me, second and fourth Sundays of each month, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Um, I do realize that's the same time as 60 minutes. So, you know, just multitask. It's okay. <laughs> you can find me at johntherman.com. You can find the podcast at hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com or any of the platforms. If you're wherever you're listening to this show, we're probably there too. Uh, yeah. But again, Steve, Trish, thank you so much for yeah, this. As we said, you. we're, we fanboyed and fangirled out. And, <laughs> and, and if, you, if you're listening to this, if you've gotten this far, check out our episode uh, with, with uh, the happy hour on our show. Listen to our, they answer our questions and it's yep. extremely entertaining. Yes, it is. <laughs> thank you. Right. And when, you know can I also, just because we did talk so much about your day jobs and can, do you want, want to give a shout out if people are interested in learning more about working for each of your companies, where can they find information about that as well? Oh, sure. Uh, you can find uh, jobs with Sanford at sanfordhealth.jobs. Very easy to find. And we are in 26 states across the nation. Um, so we'd be very happy to uh, connect people to the right position for them. Great. Thank you. John, what about you? Trish, Trish my boss will thank you. Uh, I typically don't talk a lot about this, but uh, I, you can check us out at your team official, Y-O-U-R-T-E-A-M-F-I-S-H-E-L. And at your team official, you can learn about construction, what we do. And we have what we think is a super cool interactive job map that we've spent some time on that shows progressions for multiple teammates that we've had and, and kind of how you can move up and around within the organization. You can learn about the company there. Uh, I know Wendy is actually, she's mm -hmm. given it a shout out, which I appreciate, but yeah, check it out there and then you can learn more about the company as well. That's right. awesome. And how, where are you located specifically? I know you're in more than one place, John. Where? Oh, where sure. So we are, uh, so official, we have offices in, 15 states, basically picture south of the Mason-Dixon between Florida all the way to California. Home office is Columbus, Ohio, which apparently the computer believes I'm in. But uh, <laughs> but I, I'm really fortunate. I cover the Virginia and Pennsylvania territories, whereas Wendy's working for 50,000 uh, employees and, and all those friends that she has. Uh, we're 3,000 or you know almost 3,000 teammates strong in that area. We've grown by over 1,500 people in the time I've been here. We're a half a billion dollar company that nobody's ever heard of. So it's wow. it's been a lot of fun. That's, That's a pretty great. solid uh, revenue per employee right there. That's awesome. It is indeed. It is indeed. I All think it's right. well, a good example of how, you know, people listening in on the show, you know, whether they have uh, relatives, children, people that, are, you know, you are both in, in a lot of states and um, and they should definitely check out the job on both, both sites. Great, great stuff. Wendy and John, thank you so much. Great to have you on the show. Great to be guests on your show. Uh, hopefully, the synchronization of when these things run will be pretty pretty <laughs> tight, but uh, we'll make sure to share that out as well. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we also need to thank, of course, our friends at Paychex. Uh, thank to them for their support and sponsorship of the HR Happy Hour Show. And a special one last thing for me, Trish, and then I, I will sign off. A shout out to my friend Tom Hammond at Paychex. I, and I haven't sent him a personal note yet, and I will. And I, I know this will get back to him. I received in the mail a FedEx box from Mr. Hammond, our pal, which 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 contained Diet Dr. Pepper, which he heard oh. about or has heard from the show me talk about drinking all the time and, and uh, as my as the official uh, soft drink of the HR Happy Hour show. So oh. thank you to Tom for the Diet Dr. Pepper. I ha had a couple of them yesterday. So I love Tom. Isn't that great? It is He's wonderful. So, so uh, learn more about them at <laughs> 
com. Okay, that's it. Remember to. I love sweet vermouth, so just. All right, easy. <laughs> there. That's not what. See, and now let me just. I want for the record, I don't want to get a nasty message from you about getting the show wrapped up because I've been trying to wrap up the show for two minutes, Trish, and you keep talking. So I want this for the record. I'm feeling talkative, Steve. Remember to subscribe. Are you on the vermouth already? It's early in the morning. Is that what's happening? I'm kidding. Too much caffeine. Really. Remember to subscribe to the HR Happy Hour Show wherever you get your podcasts. For Trish McFarland, for our guests, Wendy Daly and John Thurman, my name is Steve Bose. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time, and bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.